And so if you were here last week or if you weren't, just to catch everybody up to speed and make sure we're all on the same page, we are walking through a series simply titled, Who is Jesus? And again, I know some of you are like, cool, I already know who he is. I'm glad I came and gave an hour of my life to talk about somebody I already know. But we're going to go a little deeper, right? And I hope that's the goal. And I hope through all of this that those of you in the room who know Jesus fall more in love with him as we walk through this. Maybe learn something else or maybe just be encouraged by who your Savior is, right? I still got to get, those of you that are new don't realize, like, me speaking up here is brand new. Like, I, I used to speak from the floor, and it is weird, okay? Like, I'm still getting used to it. It's a little different speaking up here. I feel like I'm looking down. So tall. Anyway, so last week we were in John chapter 6, and we looked at when Jesus said, I am the bread of life, right? And understanding that He is all that there is to life. He is the giver of life, the sustainer of life, and the keeper of life, right? And so he exemplified that by talking about, I am the bread of life. And so we're going to continue now in the second I am statement that Jesus makes when he says here in John chapter 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. And so, again, I'm not going to come up with any creative title. That's simply the title of tonight's message. I am the light of the world. Right. And we're going to explore that and what it looks about. And as I was thinking about this, you know, where's all my people that are afraid of the dark? Who are you? It's all right. Admit it, you're afraid of the dark, like not going to do darkness at all. There is something really creepy about dark, right? There's some people in the room, though, that are like, no, man, I like the dark. Like, let's make it dark. Let's make it cold. Make everything black. I'm in, right? I'll pray for you people. Okay? <laughs> you kind of freaked me out a little bit, right? But it was funny, too. Like, I was trying to look up some things on, like, being afraid of the dark and, like, maybe some statistics or some numbers or whatever. But I got a little nostalgic today because as I typed in, when I just Googled, what does it mean to be afraid of the dark? You know what popped up? The old 1990s Nickelodeon show, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, not the reboot in 2000 for you millennials, real millennials, right? Like for those of us, like for me and my wife who were born like late 80s, like Are You Afraid of the Dark was legit scary, right? And I actually watched an episode on YouTube and I was like, why was I scared of this? You know, but it was kind of freaky. Like they'd have this little clown walking around with a candle and Somebody clowning a candle in darkness, man, you're freaked out when you're six years old, you know, but that's the way it works. But I was thinking about some of the reasons why we might be afraid of the dark. You know, if, you, if you've ever tried to walk in the dark, it's kind of hard, right? I mean, you, you can't see, and unless you really know the space that you're walking in that's dark, it's hard, right? I mean, anybody know what I'm talking about? Is that just me? Like, I'm the only one that's wandered around in a dark place that I don't know where it is, right? There's something freaky, too, about a dark church. Amen? Like, in my life. I can say that, right? <laughs> Something freaky about that. But also, too, like, you ever notice, like, your likelihood of stubbing your toe dramatically increases in the dark, right? Like, you get up in the middle of the night, you're like, I just got to go to the restroom. You're going to kick something almost every time, right? And, like, my wife and I, have le- I've learned, like, I'm the last one to go to bed in our house. I just always make sure the path is clear from her side of the bed to the bathroom and from my side of the bed to the bathroom. I make sure we got a path, right? If we stay on that path, we're going to be all right. We're not going to stub our toe. But then I was also thinking about today the power of light, right? I mean, light's pretty powerful. I mean, think about the sun, right? It's a pretty powerful star, right? It's big, it's massive, it's hot, it provides light. And what is light? That's kind of what I was thinking about today. Like, I had that thought as I was studying, like, what's light? Have you ever thought about something like that before? Like, something very, like, ordinary? 
I'm like, what is light? So I Googled that. It's a dangerous thing to do, by the way. But I Googled that question, what is light? And I began learning what scientific people think about light and what they classify light as. Because we understand that darkness is simply just the absence of light. You know that's how they measure darkness. Measure darkness by how less or little of light there is. There's no measurement for darkness. You're measuring the light. That's how powerful light is. And how weak and trivial darkness can be. Right? But I was thinking about this, and one scientist had this to say. He said, usually we don't see light. We merely see with it. That's pretty powerful. Think about that. Usually we don't see light. We see with it. We'll come back to that. Sidney Perkowitz is a physicist at Emory University, and he did his entire Ph.D. dissertation on light, on what it is, right? So he's got a Ph.D. in physics, and his dissertation is in light, which I thought was really interesting. And so I was kind of scrolling through his dissertation today, and I came across this. He said, simply put, light is produced by changes in energy in the energy level of electrons. Light moves through space as a wave, but when it encounters matter, it behaves like a particle. It simply doesn't fit into one of our neat little categories. Light, indeed, is different from anything else we know. That's a physicist who studied light that says sometimes light's a wave, sometimes it's a particle, and it just changes when it needs to change and be what it needs to be. And it's different from anything we know. We can't put it in a scientific category. Which is an interesting thought when we read John 8. And let's read John 8. And we're going to read verses 12 through 30 all together right here. And then we're going to come back and tear it apart. All right? It says, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Now, who's them? We're going to see here in a minute that Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. But what happened in the first 11 verses of chapter 8 is very important. Right? It's the story of the woman caught in adultery when the Pharisees brought this woman before Jesus and said, hey, we caught her in the act of adultery. And you know what Jesus does, right? He puts his knee in the sand and he starts riding in the sand. And the men are ready to stone her. They're literally ready to put her to death. And Jesus says to them, he who has no sin, cast the first stone. Needless to say, shutting down their plan. Right? And then he forgives her and tells her to go and sin no more. Right? And then he turns around back to those same people that want to stone the adulterous woman and says, I am the light of the world. It's a powerful statement. Let's continue. He says, Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, You are bearing witness about yourself, your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I'm going. But you do not know where I come from or where I'm going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself and the Father who sent me bears witness, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. Verse 19, they said to him, therefore, where's your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. 
These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. So he said to them again, I am going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said to him, will he kill himself since he says where I'm going, you cannot come? He said to them, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. I want to stop here for a second. You see this phrase, I am he, right? And we're going to see it again here in a second. I am he in verse 28. This statement is very important because it goes back to what I talked about last week, catching up in the context of John. In John chapter 4, in the woman at the well, he tells her, the one that you are seeking, I am he, right? He's declaring in John chapter 4, I am the Messiah that you Jews are seeking. And now he's talking to Jews again. He says again here twice, I am he. Again, he's declaring, I am the Messiah. And we can't miss that because that's the big picture. We can talk about the bread of life, the I am the light of the world. In two weeks, we're going to talk about I am a good shepherd. We're going to finish this thing with I am the true vine. And all those things are great and true. But if he's not the Messiah, he's not any of those other things. So this I am he statement is the most powerful one he makes. Okay. So don't miss that here in verse 24 and again in verse 28. So verse 25 says, so they said to him, who are you? Jesus said to them, just what I've been telling you from the beginning. You got to think Jesus is getting frustrated at this point, right? Like they just keep asking him the same question in different forms. Do you know that person that will ask you the same question seven different ways? I do that to Morgan all the time and it literally drives her nuts. She's like, just stop asking me questions. You know the answer. Just go do what you need to do. And I'm like, yeah, but what about this? She's like, it's the same question. Right. You know, that I'm that person. OK, so I can talk about that person. All right? None of you hopefully are that person. OK, but I'm that guy that asked the same question about 12 times. OK, and that's what the Pharisees are doing here. And Jesus simply looks at them and says, it's what I've been telling you since I've started the ministry. He's not just saying the beginning of this little talk here. He's talking about from the beginning in John chapter two, when he launched into ministry. OK, Jesus message is the same yesterday, today and tomorrow. Don't forget that. So he says in verse 26, I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true. And I declare to the world what I have heard from him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the father. So Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the son of man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him, which is a great thing. And we're going to come back to how that finishes here. So I want us to look at this statement when Jesus says, I am the light of the world and what that means for us and what it really means. Right. Let's dissect this passage here. Okay. And so I want us to look at four essential functions of light. Okay. And those four essential functions of light and how they also pertain to what Jesus is saying here. Okay. And so the first thing, let's jump right in, is essentially light guides, right? It guides, it guides us. And what Jesus is saying here, more than anything else, when he says, I am the light of the world here in verse 12, he's saying, I am here to guide you. I am here to lead you. I am here to set your path straight. The narrow path, right? He talks about the way is narrow. But he is, wants to guide that. It's not like it's a narrow path with a mysterious way to get there or a trail, right? It's not a narrow path where you need a, a dinky little flashlight, right? 
This is my cute little flashlight for if the power ever goes out in here or also a toy for Luke, right, when he gets bored, okay? But like, you don't need a flashlight with Jesus because he is the light. He's the true light that shines brighter than anything else. And he wants to guide you. He wants to direct you. He wants to lead you on this path of righteousness. He's not sticking you out there alone, right? This is important to think about too because for the Jews in this time and the customs that they had to follow and the laws that they had to follow, it was a thing for them. They had to do all of these things. It was on them, the individual. And now what Jesus is saying to you is, hey, it's not on you anymore. Just follow me. I am the light of the world. And that phrase of the world is important too because He's not just guiding those that believe Him. He, he, he came to guide the entire world. And that's from the beginning of time, right? That's why God created Adam and Eve and put them in the Garden of Eden and lived with them. That's the way God wanted things to be. For us to live on this earth with Him in the fullness of His presence. But we people screwed up. So therefore now we have to live with the consequence of our sin. But Jesus says, in spite of that, I'm here to be the light of the world. I'm here to guide. I'm here to lead. I'm here to show you the way. And I love that, right? That's what he finishes verse 12 with when he says, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. It's not just the light so that you know where you're going. It's literally the wellspring, the power, the energy, the engine of life. It's the energy, man. And you think about it, right? Like when, you, when light comes on, energy is sparked, right? Sometimes light comes on in the morning and we're like, hey, where'd that light come from? Turn that thing off, right? It sparked a different kind of energy, right? For some of you who compete athletically now or did compete athletically or did something musically or something when you went on stage, there's a different feeling when the lights come on, right? When it's go time. There's a different feeling. There's a different energy there. What Jesus is saying is I'm not just an energy. I'm not just a feeling. I'm the entire source of that light. And it wants to guide. Just like light does for us. We need flashlights when we're walking through the woods at night. Right? Unless you're like from Tennessee and you just know the woods like the back of your hand. You don't need a flashlight. Right? For all you Tennessee people in the room. Okay? But for the rest of us, we need light. Right? You need light at times. When the power goes out, what's the first thing you do? Try to find a light. Because you need it to guide you. You need it to help put things together. Right? One day, some of you, hopefully all of you, are going to get the pleasure of owning a home. And you're going to have to go down in the basement or in the crawl space to try to fix something. You're going to need a flashlight to guide you. Or else you're going to get a face full of spider web, and it's not going to be a lot of fun. Okay? Sorry for all you people who are freaked out by spiders. Right? Jesus came to be our leader. He came to guide our path. Simple as that. Second thing. Light provides. Light provides. We talked about darkness is the absence of light, right? So light simply provides. As we talked about, it provides energy. We talked about the sun, right? And the sun provides a lot of things for our environment, not just light, right? It provides heat. It's what everything rotates around, right? I mean, it provides some major essential functions for the world, for the universe. And Jesus is saying, as I am the light of the world, I have come to provide. What does he come to provide? Well, let's look at what he says in verse 14. Even, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from 
and where I'm going. But you do not know where I come from or where I'm going. Jesus is simply saying, hey, I come to tell you the truth about where I've been and where I'm going, and I've come to provide you a way to do that with me. Because Jesus didn't want to do this alone. He wants people to follow. He wants these people to go with Him. And what He's trying to tell them is, hey, what I'm telling you is true. And I have provided for you a way out of your sin and out of darkness and into eternal life with my Father. I have provided that for you. I'm going to provide that for you. There's an important part in this. Did you catch that? Where it says they didn't arrest Him. They wanted to, but they didn't because His hour had not yet come. Right? We don't need to miss that detail in Scripture. Jesus is working on providing the way. He hasn't died on the cross at this point, right? You know that. (laughs) But he's setting the groundwork for that. This is like the stepping stone on the path, right? I was thinking about the stepping stones, right? This is a weird little side note here, but I was thinking about how God is providing this for us, right? He's setting the path. And I was walking across campus. And you know, like, if you're coming from here or this side of campus and you're walking between the library and Bib Graves, there's those four little square stones, I don't know if anybody's ever noticed this. You'll notice this now. But just to the right of that, if you're going this way towards the amphitheater, there's a path in the grass that has been stomped down because we don't walk on the stepping stones. We walk on the grass. You'll notice this, right? But that's the funny thing about it is today, God, pun intended, shed light on this for me, that this is what he did. He's just putting down the stepping stones along the way. He's providing the steps that we need to take But the problem is, is we look at that and we go, hey, Jesus, I see those stepping stones you put down. But this grass right here is really green and really pretty. And it's soft. It feels good on my knees, you know, because I'm a I'm a former athlete and, you know, everything hurts now. And so I'm going to walk on this soft grass. Just one step off. But what we need to see is that Jesus as the light of the world is simply saying, I have provided direction for you. I've provided help for you. I've provided your way. Now it's just up to us to follow that narrow way behind the light of the world. It's a beautiful thing that he does for us. It's a beautiful thing that light does, right? Like I'm glad that light provides light. I wouldn't want to walk around in darkness. I'm kind of freaked out by the dark. I'm not going to lie. Right? Like the other night, I was rocking Luke to sleep and I realized his nightlight was out and I think I was more freaked out than he was. Probably because he was snoring and drooling out the left side of his mouth. But I was like, okay, I'm about to put you down. I'm going to figure out this nightlight. And all it was was a switch needed to be flipped. right? But I flipped that switch and I was like... Whew. Again, he slept all night. It didn't bother him. It just bothered me. But it provided some direction. It provided some help for me. But I think, too, one thing that light provides that we forget is it provides clarity. Right? Light helps us see clearly. That's why we turn the lights on after worship so you can clearly see the Word of God, so you can clearly see the notes you're taking, so you can clearly see each other. And I know you're in a stage of life right now that is fuzzy. Right? I mean, you've got to make some very important decisions. Right? And some of you may be like me and you make a decision where it's one thing and then you end up doing another. Right? Like, I have a degree in sports management, and here I am preaching the Word of God. So that's cool. That's okay. But you have decisions you've got to make. And I know it's foggy and it's fuzzy, but listen to me. Jesus is the light of the world, and He provides clarity in those decisions. He'll provide clarity in the decisions of who you need to marry. He'll provide clarity in the decisions of what job you're supposed to take. He'll provide clarity in the decisions of who you're supposed to share the gospel with tomorrow. He'll provide clarity in the decisions you're supposed to make about where to go to church this weekend. He'll provide clarity on all of these decisions you've got to make. 
if you'll allow him. Because he is the light of the world. And he came to reveal those things to us. Right? But also what light does is it informs. Right? It informs. And here's what I mean by this. You know like when you wake up in the morning, you go in the bathroom and you turn the light on? That mirror shot's going to give you a real quick information of what needs to happen. Amen? Right? I mean, you flip the light switch and you know real quick what needs to happen. Right? Or like if you got food in the oven and you turn the oven light on, you go, yeah, that should have come out about five minutes ago. <laughs> right? It informs you of what needs to happen. That's why we turn the light on. It gives us the information we need to make the proper decisions that we just talked about. Well, Jesus is saying the same thing. Look at what he says in verse, I'm going to start in verse 18, but I'm going to read through 19. He says, I'm the one who bears witness about myself and the father who sent me bears witness about me. That's a very important detail that Jesus is giving us and some information about him and his purpose and who he is and where he came from, right? Because the Jews are kind of confused on what is this talk about where you came from? And he's simply saying, hey, God, the father sent me. And so we are one in the same, but we're two different things. And two different people. And so this is important information as verse 19 happens. And they said to him, therefore, where's your father? And so Jesus answered. I love this. He's going to give them information as he is the light of the world. You know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would also know my father. See, if you know the light of the world, you know God the father. You understand that verse. But if you don't know Jesus, if you don't understand the light of the world, then that verse is pretty confusing. Just like it was to the Jews. And what Jesus is simply saying is, I'm going to give you the information that you need, and the information is simply this. Knowing me and my Father are one and the same, but you've got to go through me to get to Him. Right? Again, He's the light of the world. He is informing them of what it takes to be a believer, to be a child of God, to really understand this. Jesus simply stands in the truth. Every time the Jews asked him the same question in different forms, he repeated the truth over and over and over again. Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So there's no need to create a new answer. Listen to me. You're going to get questioned on your faith as you share it. Right? Your job is to just inform people of the truth. Don't feel like you have to make up an answer. You know the truth. Give them the truth. You don't have to add to it. You don't have to take away from it. You don't have to find some creative way to do it. You have a testimony. I love that Jesus says here, my testimony is true. I think today in 2020, the church needs to rise up and say, my testimony is true. Now let me tell you. Let me inform you about God the Father. Let me inform you about Jesus Christ who's the light of the world who wants to shed light on your situation. Because trust me, you know this just like I know this. There are so many of your peers who are walking around in darkness in their life, in spiritual darkness. They are lost, they are searching, and they have no idea where to turn, but they're seeking. They're asking questions. They're looking in every direction. And what Jesus is screaming for to the people of God is to simply say, you know me and you know my Father, so go help someone else. Shed light on their situation. Inform them of the truth. If we really do love someone, we will tell them the truth. The greatest act of love that the greatest act of love that you and I can ever do is to share the gospel with somebody. If you really love the people in your life, you will share the light of the world with them. It's true. Morgan and I were talking about that. We went on a 
our, we celebrated our five-year anniversary, August 1st. And so we went to Waco, Texas. We road trip, just the two of us, right? If you know anything about Waco, you know that's where Magnolia is, which means that's where Chip and Joanna Gaines are from. And yes, we are huge HGTV fixer-upper fans. And notice I said we, okay? Chip Gaines is my man crush, all right? I'm unashamed of it, okay? That guy's, I've got his books, okay? I've got his shirts, okay? I, I'm in, all right? So we were on our way back, and we stopped in Monroe, Louisiana for dinner or for lunch. We were eating at Nukes in Monroe, Louisiana, and it was a Sunday afternoon at 1 o'clock. And we were sitting there, and I was in a T-shirt, gym shorts, Tom's. My wife was casual. We were the only people that didn't look like we had been to church in the entire restaurant. And I didn't think anything of it at the time. But then we get in the van, and Morgan's first question to me goes, why do you think none of those church folks shared the gospel with us? I said, well, maybe the Spirit intervened and knew we didn't need the gospel, so he didn't really inspire anyone to go share the gospel. She goes, well, maybe. She goes, but I think that's how we as the church operate. We're just happy to not tell anybody. Maybe they'll figure it out for themselves. Talking about shedding some light. I was like, ooh, that kind of hurts. I'm supposed to be on an anniversary trip. <laughs> but she's right. We as a church have gotten complacent. And we're okay following our light, staring at the light, and that's a good thing. But we forget to look to see who's searching around us, to see who we could grab and say, hey, come with me, and let's follow the light of the world together. The fourth thing that light does is it calms. It calms, right? I mean, there's just something about a nice, subtle lamp. Anybody with me? Like, you get you a nice little lamp that's not too bright, right, but not one of those, like, weird yellowy ones, right, that make you feel like you're at Grandpa's house, right? But just a nice, calm lamp. You get you a good book or a cup of coffee or watch a television show or catch up with a friend on the phone. There's just something calming about that, right? Like, I love a good lamp, if you haven't noticed. Okay. But the light of the world, Jesus too, he came to calm. He came to set everything straight. Look with me, flip over to verse 28. So Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing in my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And He who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to Him. What Jesus is trying to do is He's trying to calm them down is he's trying to say, hey guys, look, I know you're questioning my authority. I know you're questioning the things that I'm saying, but trust me, the Father sent me. He has a plan. He came, Jesus came to calm our nerves and to calm our fears. You think about it, when you're caught in dark and you turn on light, there's like a deep breath that comes into you, right? That you're like, okay, we're good, Right? Like there's something about we all have this natural tendency now that like in a kind of a panic situation, we turn the flashlight of our phone on, right? It might even be broad daylight out, but there's just something about turning that flashlight on the cell phone on that you're like, all right, I'm good. I can figure this out now, right? That's what light does. It calms. It allows you to take a deep breath. And that's what Jesus is saying. I have come to calm all your fears, to calm all your questions, to calm all your nerves. I have come to calm everything down and tell you there's a simple way. See, following Jesus is simple. It's just dying to yourself and following Him. We try to complicate that, but that's all it is. Die to yourself and follow the light. 
right? And the beautiful thing in this passage is I love verse 30, right? It says, as he was saying these things, many believed in him. Hallelujah. Some people got saved, amen? (laughs) Some people were added to the kingdom because Jesus stood in the truth. Because Jesus came as a guide. He came to provide. He came to inform. He came to calm. And when people experience those things, they fall in love with a Savior. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You remember for the first time you were the light was revealed to you. Right? That light bulb in your head came on. And you're like, hey, I need that. So you did it. You followed it. That's good. Some of you may still be searching for the light bulb. Can I, can I just encourage those of you in the room that are searching? Stop searching and start seeking. Seeking Jesus is not hard. It's not complicated. I know there's a lot of questions with it, but trust me, Jesus is simply saying, when he comes here saying, I came to judge, but it's not really me who judges, it's the Father, and I didn't really come to judge, but if I judge, all that judging talk, he's simply saying this, I'm giving you a clear decision. You either walk in darkness or you walk in light. It's not complicated. It's walking in darkness or walking in light. And Jesus says, I am the light of the world. I am the light of life. So just follow me. So to those of you in the room, stop searching and start seeking. We must always allow Jesus to be exactly who he says he is. Don't try to complicate it. That's what I love about Jesus' answer. He just kept speaking speaking the truth. So do that. Allow the light of the world to just be who he says he is in your life and follow it. Trust it. Trust that light. It's not going to go out. It's not like a light bulb that you got to change, right? Like, there's nothing more freaky when our front porch light goes out and I got to stick my hand up in that globe and I'm like, there is something in here, right? And I got to change this light out. You don't have to do that with Jesus. And the beautiful thing, as you follow Jesus, those of you that understand this and some of you need to get a picture of this, when you follow Jesus and you get closer to him, it gets brighter and brighter and brighter and it gets more energetic and more energetic and more joyful and more peaceful and more graceful and more loving because he's the light of the world and he doesn't run out. So allow him to be that. So my question to you believers in the room is, are you giving light? Are you shedding light on people's situation? Are you walking, when you walk into a room, do you push away darkness or does darkness follow you? Because when we walk into a room as disciples of Jesus Christ, the room should light up. It should light up spiritually. People should know, hold on, something just changed. Yeah, you know what? The Holy Spirit just entered. Are we doing that? Because you have that power inside of you, right? You have the Holy Spirit with you. Do the people around you know that? Light allows us to see clearly. And Jesus is giving us a clear life or death decision. Changes our vision. When Jesus changes our vision, he's simply presenting us with a clear life or death situation. Go ahead, Billy. Because see, what Jesus does with light is as he talked about, he takes where we've been and he turns it to where we're going. Because see, in a dark moment, one light changes things, right? Like my wimpy little light, we could all get out of here with this one light, right? You with me? Brian, go ahead and throw that next sentence up. 
Jesus takes where we've been and turns it into where he is going. Understand, Jesus wants to take exactly where you are and turn it into his kingdom perspective. He wants you to walk into eternity with him in heaven. And he wants to do that with you now. He wants to walk with you now. Go ahead. Take out your phones and turn on those lights. Watch how bright this room will get. Turn them on. Look at this. One, two, ten, twenty. Look at that. Half the room got their lights on. Now just about 75% of the room. And look how bright it is. Church, wake up. This is us. And the time is now for us to allow the light of the world to shine through us. When you walk into a room, are you pushing away the darkness because of the Holy Spirit in you? Or do people just still know they're in dark? Father, we thank you. We thank you for being the light of the world. We love you. God, I pray tonight that this helps somebody see you more clearly and understand that you want to give light. You want to provide life. You want to inform. You want to guide. You want to give. Father, I pray that we follow and that we not only follow, Father, but that we don't become the Jews who constantly question everything you're telling us. But, Father, we're simply light givers. We're conductors of the energy that you put inside of us as the Holy Spirit.